0: Hello and welcome to Graphic Policy Radio, where comics and politics meet. This is a comics podcast and this is your host, Ilana Levin, sometimes known as Twitter's Ilana underscore Brooklyn, because I spend too much time there, but that's another story for another New Year's resolution. Joining me today is a returning guest who is doing so much interesting work, I leapt at the opportunity to have her back again. It is Tina Horn. Tina Horn hosts and produces the long-running kink podcast, Why Are People Into That? She's also the creator and writer of the sci-fi sex rebel comic series, SFSX, Safe Sex, and we will be talking about that today as the big comics focus. Um, Her reporting on sexual subcultures and politics has appeared in Rolling Stone, Playboy, Hazlitt, Glamour, Jezebel, and elsewhere. She is the author of two nonfiction books, and has contributed to numerous anthologies, including the queer horror collection, Theater of Terror and We Too, Essays on Sex Work and Survival, which she also co-edited. Tina has lectured on sex worker politics and queer BDSM identities at universities and community centers all over North America, and works as an onset consultant for theater, film, and television, including the dominatrix scenes from Pose. That's pretty awesome. Uh, She is a Lambda Literary Fellow and AVN nominee and recipient of two feminist porn awards and holds an MFA in creative nonfiction writing from Sarah Lawrence. Tina is currently working on her first scripts for film and television. I can't wait to see those. (laughs) And you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Tina Horns Ass with two S's. Welcome back, Tina. Hello. I I feel like Twitter
1: is like a bar or cafe that I keep going to out of habit, even though I don't... The the food, like, doesn't taste as good and the conversation hasn't been stimulating, but, like, I kind of just, like, it's my local spot and I Hmm. don't know where else to go. Like, but you you were saying that you... I feel like I'm spending less and less time there. Oh, I'm sure. It's probably also the difference between Twitter and... An actual like place that you go in the flesh, in your flesh suit, in reality is that what you see and who you see is dictated by an algorithm that is designed to make you feel bad so that you keep coming back, which is a weird thing about how the human mind works that corporations are <laughs> exploiting.
0: Anyway. Well, you- <laughs> that, is, that is more true of the Facebook algorithm than the Twitter algorithm. The Twitter algorithm tends not to be able to tell good interaction from bad, totally. which is one of the reasons why I like to use it to yell mm. at companies for being evil. But, um, but no, it's funny for me because of my work, like doing digital strategy for nonprofit organizations, like I have to be on it. I don't have to be on it as much as I am. Mm. Um, I suspect that one of the reasons I'm really good at it is I do spend too much time on it. But like you know, I, but I would say this for Twitter, I did not know more than a handful of queer comics fans until I got on comics Twitter. That's like cool. I knew, I knew like through my growing up in the goth scene, I knew some other queers who read comics specifically like Sandman, oh, yeah. or maybe they read like Love and Rockets. But I did not know that many queer people who were like, I need to talk with you about the X-Men, let alone, like, I need to talk to you about, you know, these Daredevil comics from the 1980s until Twitter. And so, you That's know... That's wonderful. It's, we, yeah. We end up there for reasons, you know?
1: It's like the new
0: Barbalith. Yes. Which I never got to be on Barbalith. Like, I never got uh, to be on Barbalith either. Oh, that, it, neither it, it, of us are cool. <laughs> it's
1: like, I, like, knew of it, but I yeah that was like too online for me at that yeah time exactly
0: i was in college okay so for folks who have no idea what the hell we're talking about Gerbilith was the message board that Grand morrison like fan community started that birthed a lot of professional comics creators and cultural figures and everybody was on it and that's how they met everybody. It's almost like
1: it itself was a sentient satellite hyper sigil from uh, the that represented the overlap of two dimensions. Anyway, I'm just in Mm -hmm. I'm I'm only talking invisibles subtext now. That's the only way that I That
0: I'm able to communicate. That's that's, fine.
1: That's actually, that's true. It's the only way I'm able to communicate is just through the kinks lyrics that are quoted in The Invisibles. And um, I was reading about, okay, (laughs) I was reading this Wired article about hyperobjects. I assume if you're very online, you have encountered the discourse about hyperobjects. And now their name is escaping me it's timothy morton right it's interesting they uh, so i'm like reading this article and i've like this idea of hyperobjects has washed up on my shore before but i like this was like a really in-depth profile and like for example i didn't know that the concept of hyperobjects was named after the bjork song hyperballad i'm seeing oh. bjork this year or next <laughs> next year in 2022 um which i feel like is 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 just gonna heal? If anything can heal me, it's Bjork. But anyway, uh, and they, uh, Timothy Morton started to like describe the experience of of like coming up with this idea of hyperobjects and like starting to talk about it like in terms of philosophy and uh, ecology and. And as as I was like listening to them, I was like, Oh man, this sounds like so much like Grant Morrison and, and like nineties Invisibles uh discourse. And then like a few back parab- a few paragraphs later, Morton started talking about started describing the experience as being like Neo from The Matrix. And I was like, My dude, my my genderqueer dude, like you Are you are you really have you like not read the invisibles that you're like talking about the thing that ripped off the invisibles, but like not talking about the invisibles? Anyway,
0: let me help you. Yeah, yeah,
1: I know. It's like, you know, a lot clearly, but like there's something I know that you don't and well just and it's about comics which is (laughs) of course i'm allowing myself to uh rant and riff so much uh is in the hopes that uh your dear listeners will um feel pandered to by yes um, my obscure ramblings um but i feel pandered
0: to look i've never really covered the invisibles on the podcast in any significant way which is crazy because back when i had like Speaking of sex and the Internet, back mm. when I had a nerve profile because oh, I was single and yes. nerve existed, yes. I believe I might have listed The Invisibles as, like, one of my favorite books. So there you have it. I but have for totally those who are put not, The
1: Invisibles on yeah. a dating profile before. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. It,
0: so for folks who don't know, hyper according to the Wikipedia – Hyper objects uh, can be, describe objects that are so massively distributed in time and space as to transcend spatio-temporal specificity, such as global warming, like the big giant plastic blob that's like taking off the ocean, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the, The fact that all of the concrete in the world is about to weigh more than all of the life on the world combined i I could be getting that wrong it's something about the weight of concrete wow yeah it's like uh, hyper objects are like things that are too big for you to wrap your mind around but it's also related to object oriented ontology which is like a way of thinking about being that sees everything as an object including a person including the person who's thinking about the object so if you're like thinking about yourself as the object anyway
0: (laughs) but this is you're right it's all very invisibles and like i I should do something with them at some point in time. It was such an important comic for me. And um I was not on Barbalith because I, obs- I was not part of internet chat room culture because I lived in cities and went to clubs. And like, I just didn't understand that, like, which sounds like a brush off of those other things, but it's actually not. Like, I think the ideal way to be would have been to do both of those things totally, rather than just do one and not the other. I've realized that when I say like, I didn't do that because I went to nightlife. It sounds kind of like I'm down. No, life, no, so no. I like, mean, like, especially no, since I missed something, you no, know? No, I'm... Like,
1: I'm a- Uh, I'm only having the pleasure of like baby Elena in like Susie Sue makeup and Ilana. Ilana.
0: I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm 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 like, who is this person? It's me. (laughs) It's okay.
1: (laughs) I am so sorry. You'd think I'm dyslexic. You'd think I I listen to your show all the time. I hear you say your name all the time. I just, what, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be like a pomo homo mixing up. Vowels (laughs) Vowels <laughs> putting them where they don't belong, telling no you problem. what your name is, uh that something different. It it's it's you from a different like part of the multiverse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> anyway, yes. uh I hope that people are still listening to this. i,
0: I think Oh yeah, have- no, this is what they signed up for. Like, look, I'm so, so glad. I mean. But, wait, where was I going? There was sex and the internet. Goth clubs. bulls, goth clubs. Uh The return ethics. of... Oh, right, and the end of the world. So, yes, SFXX, like, is... I'm having a... I've been having a really hard week in terms of um, fear of the, like, world and the future. And I wasn't sure if I was going to have the stamina to read... The new edition of the comic, um, you know, because this definitely is a dystopian story. Yes. Um, but it actually worked just fine.
1: And and I think,
0: I think, I think you would probably feel like you've achieved something because I did have sex later that night. So. (laughs) I know, like, everyone wins. So for folks who don't know, you know, Tina was on the podcast before uh, to talk about the launch of this comic. You know, whenever I'm talking about indie comics, I I don't assume that the listener has read everything so far. So we'll be be handling the conversation like I'm trying, I'm not going to, like, do a replay of the things we spoke about last time. But I'm not going to, I'm going to try to avoid certain kinds of level of spoiler, if that makes sense. I I really do hope... Right. It's kind of yeah. like a balance, you know. So I really do hope folks go back. You can listen to my earlier interview with Tina. It was fabulous. And check out the earlier run of. You see, I, speaking of mispronouncing things, I still, I'm like, I, 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 I say SFSX. SFSX.
1: You, you, you can say, I mean, you can say whatever you want. The, the idea with the title is that the name of the book is Safe Sex, but. Safe sex is hard to Google, and we like always had apologies to anyone listening to this who's heard the story twenty million times. We we abbreviated it as SFSX just in early like you know editorial correspondence, and then I think it was Eric Stevenson at Image that was like, I think we should also just like officially (laughs) call it that. And and, you know, there's a little bit of like like it does take place in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So there's that SF thing, and then you know uh, it is it's science fiction. So there you go. But uh, yes, it's 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 easier to type SFSX SX but it's harder to say. So I feel like I've kind of fucked myself branding wise, but hopefully the series endures. Uh, Yes. And so the, the latest graphic novel in the series safe sex or SFSX is called terms of service. So if you're looking for it at your local book or comic book store, you want to ask for, you know, the latest graphic novel written by Tina Horn, illustrated by G Romero Johnson, uh, with colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick and lettering by Steve Wands, and edited and designed by Lauren McCoven. it's on Image Comics. You know, published by Image Comics, and um, and yeah, the first book is called Protection. So you can you can definitely like it's it's definitely a series, but if you for some reason like just want to skip to the newest one and just read Safe Sex Terms of Service, like it is meant to be sort of understood as its own uh as its own graphic novel as its own story and it has a little like previously on but i don't, yeah. I don't think anybody's gonna get like too lost if they just want to dive in to
0: no it's a good story. previously on it's a good thank previously you. on yeah thank you um it was just good because i i uh you know i i i it's yeah I, you can of remember who everybody i'm like, oh that's who nick is so yes right
1: right, right. you need um, a little report
0: poor right poor nick oh but anyway poor nick. um so, yeah, I, I actually didn't realize it was being released as a trade paperback. I was looking for it amongst the floppies and failing. And I'm really glad it's a trade paperback uh, because I think that that's how your audience is more likely to read things than in floppies. Does that, Is that why you guys made the choice to switch to it? Uh, it,
1: was, it was a completely uh, financial decision. Like, I, I mean, this is my first... Foray into comics. Uh, I mean, it's you know I've been working on it since 2017. Um, so first feels a little weird. It's like been a long <laughs> ass time, but um yeah. Uh, you know, it's a creator-owned comic, and uh, you know, I, I don't have a ton of experience with like writing. Uh, you know, like for other for other for other publishers, um, and. Uh, you know, it just really sort of seemed like people spend the, the, the most people are going to get issue number one and you're going to get the biggest royalty check for issue number one. And then after that, there's, there's just gonna, it was just the most financially viable thing to like go mm-hmm. straight to a graphic novel. And it, and it, it also, I had to sort of get over the like, Um, stigma bias that I had in my head of like straight to video. (laughs) Oh. That was like, in in my mind, I was like, oh God, is this like, is this like a sign of failure that we're like going straight to graphic novel?
0: No, um, it's smart. Like this, you know, Like I feel like the only comics that really sell in a weekly floppy well are like superhero books. And I think the audience of non-superhero people prefers to read trades. Totally. So I make, I make sense to me. I mean, and I liked, I like, I, I prefer reading Trades to Floppies, except for if there's, like, covers that I really want to collect. But you had some, you had some beautiful covers. I love Alejandra. Um oh, love Alejandra Gutierrez, yes. Gutierrez, yes. Her cover is just, I mean, her whole style is so great. Um, but, um, and in this book, the new book has a lovely Tula Lote comic, a cover. Yes. Which is, do you remember the cover of, So remember, like, the Lords of Acid? album cover from um, Our Little Secret and it's just like it's the sort of thing where people are like, oh, it's a hot girl. And then you're looking oh. closer you're like, oh, this is actually sort of subversive. And I felt like your cover of this was sort of like, oh, it's a hot girl. Oh, she's taking her arm off. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's yes. like the right vibe.
1: Um, that is such a great comp that I had not thought of before and I am now going to like put this on the mood board and uh, just generally uh, like maybe post about that. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I love that.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I like literally was in the room while various people pieced that together. So Oh my God. I love that. I mean, back in the nineties. So I'm like, this is a similar thing to it. Um, And music uh, is, yeah, music is even more of a thing in this uh, edition than ever before with the book. And I love these mixtapes. I feel like, and this never happens, like 80% of the stuff you list is stuff I love, which is like the highest match rate of like anything that's ever happened. (laughs) And including like cross genre stuff, you know what I mean? Like that, like that doesn't happen. So, like, thank you for the mixtapes because I am going to, so there's like, 80% 80% of it is totally my shit. 10% of it is like, uh, and then 10% of it is like, I don't know what that is, and I need to find out. So thank yes. you for the mystery 10% that I'm gonna Google. Yes. Yes. I But like am... nobody else is like sorry. Oh no, no. I'm I'm just I'm I'm
1: thrilled that the book got you laid. I'm thrilled that we have like an 80% crossover in uh <laughs> uh in in music taste. And um that's just I'm 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 feeling so good about
0: that thank you you know I mean I so the mixtapes concepts they're sort of they sort of break up the chapters basically they go at the end of each like how do you so because the mixes kind of go at the end of each chapter like how do you envision people interacting with them and reading the comic and I guess we should read off a list of people to give them an example of one of them so let me read off the first one why not dirt by Lou Reed Wh- by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, Pay Your Way in Pain by St. Vincent, Needed Me, Rihanna, Walking on Thin Ice, Yoko Ono plus Jason Pierce, Tears of Rage by the band, Reclamation, Fagazi, Any Major Dude Will Tell You by Steely Dan, I've been having a serious Dan year as I tend to, Ascension, The Comet Is Coming, Dom Blonde by Dolly Parton, Dog Eat Dog by Adam and the Ants, which is absolutely one of my favorite New Wave songs and gets no respect in the States.
1: Uh, it's, it- Except for by me.
0: (laughs) Except for by you, exactly. Sex Goddess by Angeline. They Say That Falling in Love is Wonderful by Gloria Lynn. It's Not Easy by uh, Off... I'm
1: actually not sure how to pronounce it. Okay. Aophage, I'm not sure.
0: Sinister Purpose by CCR. Where's the Love, Betty Wright. Tryouts for the Human Race by Sparks. Tightrope by Leon Russell. You Ain't Going Nowhere by the Birds, dude, dude, okay. (laughs) Till My Back Ain't Got No Bone by Esther Phillips. Hell yes, give her the recognition under from Eno, Brian Eno, in the image, Beverly Glenn Copeland ego tripping at the gates of hell from the flaming lips. And it takes a lot to laugh, it takes a train to, to cry, uh, as covered by Yola Tango. So wow, wow, guys. <laughs> that was
1: just so enjoyable listening to you read my
0: mixtape. For chapter one, uh, what was the question? Oh yeah, how do you want people? How are people? Because these are at the end of chapters. Like, how do you think of people interacting with them? Are are people like? Is the idea that someone listens to this after they've read it, or that they read the issue and then they go back with the with the mixtape and read it again? Or like, is there like a like what's the concept for using these to break up the story?
1: Um, in in brief, I don't care or like it it, it's um like it's all good um Mm -hmm. like however anybody uh like want wants to wants to do that or or wants to interact um with the book I I think that let me let me let me think about it I guess that like when I when I put it together I I envisioned that each song corresponds to a page of the book so like you could think of it like Hmm. you could you could think of it like this is the as a sort of like cinematic soundtracking or you could think of it as something that's like a little bit extra subtext or a little bit of an extra whether whether that subtext is like a joke or um something that points you towards sort of what I was thinking or what I want people to be thinking um and and, you know sometimes it's a mood sometimes it's just vibes and (laughs) um and I mean I can't lie. Sometimes it's just me showing off my fantastic taste. Which is legit. Thank you. (laughs) So, and I mean, but then there's another element of it where, like, the mixtapes are not just playlists on the page. I also make the playlists in uh, Spotify. And that's, like, what I do first before I actually, like, type them up and give them to lauren mccubbin our wonderful designer and have her like uh you know incorporate them into these sort of like right girl zine collages yeah um, the zine collages which in which in this book is as much like glitchy porn inspired as it is um as it is sort of like analog uh collage inspired but uh but yeah, so I make the I make the mu- like I make the the mixes first. And so then like anybody reading the book at any you know who also has access to the internet is then also able to like access the um the playlist on Spotify itself. So like you don't need to like recreate this playlist you can um like it's it's already like there for you so you could potentially like fire it up while you re- <laughs> while you read um yeah so in that so in that way it's intended to be like a a sort of like multimedia experience of the book um, but then it's also kind of like a promotional material. And then it it ultimately also is like a fun chance for me to get to like publish my, have like Image Comics publish my
0: mixtapes. Well, I really think like comics are, comics are a, um, a way that people learn about music. I mean, I had a panel at New York Comic Con a couple years ago that was basically about like, here's, cool pieces of pop culture that I learned about through reading comics so nice you nice. know I mean I the, comics introduce people to music like in particular so I think that's cool tell me tell me more about the zine concept like because this really has like um it, we've had a moment in internet where there's been a lot of zine discourse insert eye rolling um and I I so I thought it was an interesting um aesthetic choice to break up the story with them. I realize we haven't talked about the story at all, so maybe I should talk about the story a little and then go back and talk about that, but I am kind of hung up on the question. Sure. It's like talking about the story. So yeah, yeah. Like you're in the, just, you know, like we, you and I are having this conversation the same day that the Supreme Court um, was officially like, hey, you are basically our cattle um, and we will do, tell you that you have to do whatever you want with your body. Yeah. Um, so it's been a rough week. It's been a rough, you know, whatever. Um and uh, your comic is right now at a point where our 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 one of our protagonists is you know in she's getting she's stuck in a fucking re-education camp basically for having been a pornographer and revolutionary and um you know, it's like a kind of scary place to be, and yet even with that, like you still have her being able to have her imagination and be Mm. able to experience some of her fantasies um, and sort of asserting her humanity by doing that. But don't worry, kids, like, this isn't the end of the, like, we're not, we're not going to have, people are not going to be, I mean, I don't believe that this is a story in which the boot of 1984 continues to step on the head (laughs) internally, unless unless the boot is stepping on the head in a horny sort of sexual way.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, I think that well you just you just really actually hit on something really crucial, which is the idea of taking social oppression and like recognizing the ways that social oppression becomes eroticized because we like are exposed to power or understand we come to understand ourselves in relation to power and then we work out those anxieties about power through our horniness and so like that that is a huge part of my I mean, that's always been like a really big part of my work as a nonfiction writer and uh, as a and as an educator and as a journalist. And so then when it came time to like write some science fiction, I was like, okay, well, this is what the themes of that are gonna be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean how do you like write like somebody using masturbation to escape from their, like, immediate life-threatening destruction, trauma of what while, while being in prison, like, that's, it's really complicated.
1: Yeah, you know, it's complicated. Actually, I was about to glibly say, how do I write about the somebody using masturbation to escape from their trauma and the trauma of everyday living, like, well, that's my life, baby, you know, but, but then you got to the incarceration part and like, I've never been incarcerated. So, yeah. uh, you know, and I, have I've never, um, I've never gone through, uh, torturous conversion therapy. Uh, so like, uh, it, so you actually make a really good point. And it was definitely something that, was on my mind when I was writing, you know, the, these, like, f- uh, the first, the sort of, like, voiceover monologue that um, that opens the book alongside these, like, two um, double-page splash spreads of, you know, sort of uh, Avery's inner masturbatory life fugue state, Um I, I was really sort of thinking about like, okay, I put myself in a position. Spoiler alert, with the end of the first book, where like my point of view character, my protagonist, is essentially incarcerated, and so yeah. like, what, like, what do I do with that? And I, 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 I hope that it's not insulting to incarcerated people to say that like the way that I tried to understand what that might be like and how you might try to like cope with your humanity in that situation was to compare it to my experience of quarantine or some of my experiences Mm. of quarantine and like the, like, disembodied alienation of the experience of the past couple of years. Um mm-hmm. And that's, th- like, disembodied alienation and the, like, sort of digital substitutes for that is also, like, a really big theme of this book. So I, I kind of wanted to, like establish like okay in a in a book where we're exploring like the sexuality of an artificially intelligent machine like what if it it, and in a book that's that's going to go to a lot of very like abstract places because a lot of it takes place in cyberspace uh you know a cyberspace that is like a a little bit holodeck and a little bit danger room speaking of x-men and um that can like essentially be whatever you want it to be um and is like designed to satisfy sexual fantasies anyway like it Mm -hmm. what if we like start that what would it look like if we started that world by like exploring the interiority of an organic mind specifically in a like masturbatory state so um and again for comics fans I do want to shout out that a huge inspiration for the form and layout of these of, of these pages was the early 80s Swamp Thing issue where uh Swamp Thing gives Abby the tuber Uh, Mm -hmm. from its body and then they like make sweet psychedelic love and the on the dreamscape and the dreamscape and like the 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 form of the comic is like totally exploded um in the interest of showing their like reality bending psychedelic monster sex
0: experience mm-hmm anyway, yeah, and the other thing irma actually and and i and i and i it also made me think back when we were talking about the masturbation in jail thing about the um the v for vendetta se- uh sequence where you know he stages the letter um uh to that's the letter that the lesbian woman who was imprisoned next to him had left where she talks about like keeping a small piece of yourself alive despite the horrors that you're being confined to yes more and alan- i can more alan moore <laughs> i can i can i'm like i'm like that also feels like sort of channeling that as well so um but yeah it's really interesting like the the science fiction aspects of sfsx are jeff definitely really expanded on and really creative in this you have um you have a fabulous sex bot, yes. and I'm really glad that you understand and your character uh, that sex bots are people, too. <laughs> um, so, and I think, like, you know, the the comic is, like, answering questions that some people have about, like, the humanity of objects and sentience and, mm-hmm. like, what is it that, like, what is it that's, that, like, really toxic cis-hetero men want, anyway? Right. Like, can that be can a sex bot actually does that meet their needs and then like does that sex bot then deserve freedom is basically yeah like central the central questions here I um uh like talk to me a bit about how you how you developed uh that those concepts
1: yeah I'm so glad you asked I mean so the 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 sort of social the troubling social problem that this new graphic novel is trying to explore is on one hand sex robots and the i mean in a way sex robots are kind of a hyper object but anyway Mm. uh and and then incels right? Like men, so-called men's rights activists. And um, I, I kind of wanted to put them together and see what would happen. And the thing that I kept coming back to was that I don't actually think that... that I think that if... In cells had all the resources in the world available to them to build the thing that they say that they want. I don't actually think that it would satisfy them, and right. and um and I think that that has to do with power. I think it has to do with entitlement, um, and. I and I think that um honestly like this entire book is inspired by like the myth that if you well actually there's a William Gibson uh quote in in the book um let me see it let me pull it up um so uh in 2019 William Gibson tweeted how will affordable sex robots affect the incel community aside from their primary function readily getting incels rocks off thereby reducing hostility to women will the robots pro will the robots problematic homicidal tendencies actually reduce incel numbers and hmm, um, hmm, hmm. Y- yeah I mean I just don't you, you know and as a for those who don't know, my my background is in the sex industry, um, and you know, sexuality is a theme of uh, so much of my fiction and nonfiction work. And um, you know, I see in the discourse a lot this uh, this sort of myth that uh, if you if we just gave if we just sent incels to sex workers that they would stop going on murder sprees um and you know the the sort of uh the pushback to that from sex workers is we are not like a depository for male aggression mm-hmm. um and and also that like that is a that is a misunderstanding of what in of, of of incel ideology and like what incels like actually want um and um you know i think you can learn a lot about how people think about sex robots from how people think about sex workers and you can tell a lot about what people think about like people in general maybe we could say women specifically even though lots of different people do sex work uh, lots of different people of lots of different genders do sex work but um like you i think you can learn a lot about what people think about women by how they talk about sex workers so um that's that was sort of the inspiration for the the sort of, like, antagonists and, like, the big bad and, like, the main sort of conflict of terms of service. Um, and also this idea of, like, the redistribution of intimacy and, like, what would happen if the government was actually, like, involved in making sure that certain people got Sexual satisfaction while like m- ensuring that other people don't have like any sexual freedom at all,
0: yeah yeah, too fucking real
1: I mean that's um, the other thing is that it's too fucking real,
0: <laughs> yeah um and i think I think the point about how like they what ultimately what some of these people are like want is they want power to control other people it's not that they want sex meanwhile like the actual you know mentally not mentally balanced but like the functional like with the world like like the good people the good the good people of this comic who obviously are not not flawed but like you know casey knows what she wants she just wants to water torture somebody and keeps (laughs) getting interrupted (laughs) I it's my favorite running gag of the book is just like she's just in the background trying to have like consensual kinky water torture and just stuff keeps happening and she just keeps getting interrupted
1: thank you so much for noticing that I uh you know Casey as a character I think gets a little lost sometimes but that was you know, it's an, it's a, it's an ensemble book and there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters and there's a lot going on. And so I, I think I, there's, it's almost the running gag they were talking about is almost a little bit of a meta commentary on that in the book where like,
0: Hmm.
1: um, like Casey is sort of the, um, the like Leonardo, if you will, like the, just sort of like stoic leader. Um, and, uh, you know, like many sex workers, uh, she is just like super burnt out and is just like trying to have a good work life balance and like have a day off. Um, and uh, yeah, like she just like keeps getting interrupted, and it was like a a fun um a fun uh, sort of like device for levity to like keep coming back to uh mm-hmm. uh Casey with like sort of smoke increasingly like coming out of her ears
0: (laughs) and like some like what are those waterproof clog shoes because she's just like no i'm just trying to water torture some people i'm ready i'm wearing my my crocs
1: you know g rivero johnson is gonna be so happy you brought up the crocs uh yeah one day on on that that page where you see casey in in crocs like One day, uh, G was just like, so, um, Casey wears Crocs and I won't be taking any questions at this time. (laughs) I was like, you know what, I'm gonna allow it.
0: You know, but first you're sort of like, of all of the like, you know, you could have a character getting distracted from being able to enact any one of a number or millions of fetishes that exist. But like the... Just, I'm just trying to water torture people consensually thing is cool because the, the water as this transformative engulfing thing yeah. is such a theme through the book yes um so I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why that was chosen
1: it that absolutely is um okay so like the lineage of uh, th- of water as a theme in this book goes like this I uh have been really obsessing over the film ex machina uh this this uh this book is very very inspired by a like deep study of that that book and or that um uh that movie and and its themes and uh in ex machina oscar isaac who is you know in 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 the movie uh has created an artificially intelligent machine uh is sort of describing uh the machine's like brain and calls it wetware and when i first saw this movie i was like oh that's a pussy joke because <laughs> she's like a sexy robot so wetware like i get it <laughs> hilarious like and, um, and then I found out that, that wetware is actually um, like a cyberpunk term and like a term that is used to describe like something that's not hardware and is not soft- software, but is the sort of like conceptual mind or even uh, the like, you know, sentient intelligence uh, of uh, or like a- ability to like feel or like the humanity of, um, of a machine. Hmm. so i'm like okay so we just got to make like wetware where the like theme of uh, you know or like one of one of the themes are like recurring motifs of this book and you know we have this cyberspace so we called it wet space and uh and and from there it was like okay well we're gonna have like i said uh wet space is sort of like the holodeck and it's sort of like the danger room. Like it can appear any way that you want it to. So that just kind of gave us a jumping off point to be like, okay, well, we're going to have like swimming pools and hot tubs and bathtubs and hot springs. And, uh, you know, just like all all of these um just like all of these like uh, watery places, the ocean. Um, and uh, and and then as you as you uh, pointed out, the the like recurring motif of like Casey just like trying to play or trying to have a day off is like, okay, well, we're just gonna have her like doing a series of like water related, fetish scenes right which is where like <laughs> my fetish expertise comes in because I'm like okay well like uh you know she could be doing like waterboarding here she could be doing like a high pressure hose here like all of these different things and um and yeah and so and and then from there it becomes this really kind of fun I mean, it's elemental, right? Water. Mm -hmm. And so then because it's, because it's elemental, you also like the, the visual artists now have something to riff on. So for Lauren McCubbin making these collages in the back matter and the, the chapter headings and everything gets to, you know, look at, gets to like, look at like visual and aesthetic motifs like related to water and, uh, kelly fitzpatrick doing the colors you know is like teaching me about things like vapor waves and uh you know like gets to like make things look wet essentially and it all comes back
0: to a pussy joke right right as as do, as do so many things as do that's so really lovely things. yeah and like And I'm so glad that we picked up the story with Dennis here. Um, And, you know, Dennis becomes a much more central character in this book. Mm -hmm. Dennis is the younger, uh, non-binary person who's in the first book, who you find out has a brain, a a microchip that was forcibly put in their brain that prevents them from feeling pleasure or pain. Mm -hmm. And um, it's um, it's like one of the, you know, it's one of the really, like, upsetting things that's revealed in the book. Um, And Dennis really... Is, one, is the character that interfaces most with the wetware stuff in the story. And one of the things that I like a lot is, you know, I mean, you, Dennis is like very realistic and like behaves like a real human being. And mm. I, I see a lot of creators that I know who are queer, like coming under attack from people who are upset when characters who have different queer minority experiences are like, not like perfect representation or whatever. And I do think that some of the people doing that are literally children, and therefore are less likely to find themselves reading your comic. Although I certainly would have been reading it when I was a teenager, and my my parents wouldn't have cared. Um, But like, but 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 aside from the people who are behaving childishly because they are children, like, how do you handle... You know, like writing a character who's like non-binary. You know, I think they're a person of color, and they're a full person. They're not like, I am a perfect role model. You know, I I, I think Dennis is great and like super relatable, and like all the things that Dennis does that are mistakes are like completely understandable things. Um, and it's sort of like, yeah, like how do you how do you handle that with some of the pressures that people have around representation?
1: This is such an astute observation that you're making and everything that happens in it's it it's Denis, actually, not, not Dennis, oh. but uh but that's that's fine.
0: Um, I'm not adequately French. Denis. That makes <laughs> sense. I thought it was like Dennis but spelled creatively, you know?
1: <laughs> it was uh honestly I like named that character uh after this uh blondie song that is a cover of a song like about someone named dennis but then when debbie harry sings it she, she sings it Denise, and i was like gender um <laughs> oh i love it <laughs> um i'm hoping in a like dune world d- d- people have encountered like Denis Villeneuve and will like perhaps uh will perhaps get it. Uh, but also it doesn't matter because it's a comic. Um, but uh, but anyways, so I mean, like basically yes to everything that you're saying. I I like agree completely that I mean, okay, like in brief, my feeling about like representation of character like writing characters who are like underrepresented in culture is that it would it's in it's insulting and would like do a disservice to the characters to be too precious with them and so like and it it is definitely and it's an issue of like having characters that are underrepresented in culture, whether they're trans or non-binary or people of color. And it's like an especially tricky thing for me to manage, like wanting to have characters who have all of those identities um, that, that I don't have. Um, So like I'm white and I'm, uh, I'm queer and I'm cisgender and I, you know, I, like, want, I want to have my ensemble, like, represent all of these different identities, but, like, then when you make characters, it's, like, you you have to, like, writers are sadists, I've always said, Hmm. and you, like, have to do horrible things to your characters, that's what fiction is. Like that's yep. what storytelling is. And especially like an action adventure science fiction story. So it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't have a world in which there are there are, are like like better, more well-rounded representations of like various like identities and like types of characters um in the same world where like they're always like model citizens and like uh always like do the right thing and like are like role models i guess um i mean i'm also like something that i can say from personal experience is like i am a problematic bisexual who is like a huge Hmm. fan of problematic bisexuals in uh in cinema so you know i'm like Mm -hmm. a big um uh you know sharon stone uh in basic instinct fan so uh (laughs) uh like you know i i feel like i i guess like my feeling is it's a sign of progress when we're allowed to be villains because or or you know and denise not a villain in this story no when we're allowed to like they're just
0: like a flawed full human being
1: yeah exactly and so when we're when we're allowed to be like multi-dimensional like that's a sign of progress i mean i also am like a huge fan of queer villainy um Mm -hmm. you know or even like queer coded villainy i mean obviously like all of the best Disney characters are the queer coded villains. They definitely have the best songs.
0: Yeah, that is true. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope that no angry teenagers beset you and I suspect that it would be unlikely, but,
1: um, I mean, I just was
0: like, you know,
1: I mean, okay. So I will say this. I did get an angry, young person. Um I I, I I did what can I say about this? Um I did get a chance t- to read something by someone who was upset about what Denise's character goes through in uh the first safe sex book, Protection. Mm-hmm um but they they were upset about it because they the writer of this piece that i read um is asexual and they were upset um about like like this asexual character like suffering so much and and so that actually like made me really uh it made me upset because Denis is not asexual. Um, yeah. And I, I you know, for the record, I'm not asexual uh at all. Um uh but like Denis was and you know, there's a little bit of like meta commentary on this um in in the book, which anyone who like listens to this and also reads the book will will catch. It's not very subtle. Um but uh like Denis had a chip unconsensually put in their brain when they were like in essentially like a conversion therapy, quote unquote therapy uh, mm-hmm. program that their, that their parents put them in. And um, so like they can't experience pleasure or pain um and and they're, like, trying to, like, do their best and, like, find queer and kink community, like, despite this, like, horrible thing that has been done to them by the state. Uh, and by the way, they were there in this conversion therapy because they are genderqueer and, yeah. uh, and use they-them pronouns. And so, like... For for me, like this person's like pain at misrepresentation, like also came from a place of like misreading this sort of confluence of sci-fi and horror and identity politics in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I I, (laughs) I didn't like. I I wanted to sort of like respond to that within the text. And I think that in a way responding to that is part of the reason that Denis ended up being like such a I mean, Denis is basically like the protagonist of the B plot of the story. Yeah, right. Definitely. And and um and so uh I I ended up putting a lot of Really raw emotion and really personal emotion into what Denis was going through and i and I think that like the other thing that I wanted to represent besides like them not being asexual like like to me it's it's like disrespectful to asexual people to like represent somebody that is not asexual as asexual, like, if that doesn't uh-huh. sound like too tautological, like, uh, like, Denis, you know, and everybody defines asexuality differently, and there's, like, lots of different, like, subsets of it, but, like, Denis is full of desire, and they, like, really would like to be able to, like, have those I- experiences, and, like, when they get you know, just to give you, like, a like a little tease of the, like, premise of their story in terms of service, like, when they get the chance to have that, they, like, kind of behave um, in a way that I hope is very relatable to anybody mm-hmm. who has ever, like, felt like this is my chance to fulfill this desire and, like, nothing else matters to me right now um now that i see this path towards satisfaction of this desire which also in a way is like a warped version of incel ideology right mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. incels want something I'm not sure if they even know what it is. And then they become so myopic that, you know, and I'm, I'm not like in a, I'm not in a place to like comment on whether or not like incel ideology creates sociopaths or whether like uh, the one sociopath, pathic incel then like you know stands in for like all of incel ideology i i'm not i'm honestly not sure if it's a chicken or an egg situation um but uh but but i know for sure that it do- that it happens mm-hmm. you know i know for sure that there are young men in the world right now as i speak to you who become so fixated on the tragedy that they haven't gotten what they wanted, that they are prepared to go on murder sprees to, like, as re- as revenge, like, as, like, because they just have the- this, like, psychopathic energy and nowhere to put it i don't i don't know anyway it's Mm -hmm. it's it's dark and that like the scariness and darkness of that um also really informed this book and especially the sort of more like violent parts of it
0: yeah yeah um it's stuff i think about and i think you really did an amazing job with that thanks You know, something you mentioned earlier was um, with SFSX is like SF as in it takes place in San Francisco. And I I really hadn't thought about that too deeply till now. And then I was like, oh, right. Like, well, I mean, obviously it takes place in San Francisco because you you can see that. But um, I think about San Francisco, it was particularly interesting in light of like the sort of technology and body intersection, and also San Francisco, you know, being a city that they're really strong. I mean, everywhere in the entire world has a strong tradition of sex work, but like San Francisco has a particular kind of sex society and stuff like that. Definitely. Um, very visible, active leather community, especially. Totally. And, um, you know, was where some of the earlier sex worker organizing was happening in the 100%. modern age and unions for, dan- for, for, for strippers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, Let's talk, a little, let's talk a little bit about like the San Francisconess ness of this location and like what that what that means, especially in a book that takes place in the future when like nobody can afford to live anywhere. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. There, um, well, so first of all, the terms of service basically takes place in two different locations and is like, meant to be quite claustrophobic, um, but then also it, like, the other primary place that it takes place is in wet space in this sort of, like, cyber world um, or, like, in the inner lives of, like, various characters. And so one of the places that it takes place is called the Pleasure Center, which is basically the, like, I mean, speaking of 1984, you know, it's the it's it's very much the like uh, like government like colonized and like then I you know given an ironic name um, uh, place, but you know the 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 pleasure center and you know the pleasure center is where Avery is incarcerated, like we were talking about before, and it's um, the sort of like uh, like you know central place where the like social programs that the the party which is the like uh like theocratic government organization that like rules this dystopian san francisco that's like kind of like where they operate and um it's also the the sort of the center of um of where like all of the like weird science, uh, of the, of the Mm -hmm. book is, of the book is taking place. And, um, but the pleasure center is in a building. It's supposed, it's, it's based on a building in the mission district of San Francisco, um, where kink.com, uh, used to make lots and lots of very kinky porn. Um, and it, uh, in in the story is meant to have been the previous location of the Dirty Mind. So in the very first scene of the series, you see the party like raiding the, the Dirty Mind, which was like located in this building. And then they like colonize it and whitewash it and gentrify it and turn it into the pleasure center. Um, so that's where like half of the action is taking place. And then the other half of the action in, in this book in terms of service is, is taking place in the new dirty mind, which is located, which is also located in a real place in San Francisco um, called the Sutro baths, which are these like ruins of um, a bathhouse, uh, like right on the ocean uh, in San Francisco. Um, And so like, Safe Sex This series sort of like imagines like what if uh, you know these like queer sex workers and perverts you know kind of had to push their like underground club safe house even further like Truly literally, literally to, yeah. yeah exactly to like the edge of town and like squat in the ruins of this bathhouse um, so I mean that from a from a sort of, like, location inspiration perspective is is definitely, like, where we're coming from. But then, yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said about the tension between tech corporations and their, like, the, the sort of, like, borderline if not outright incel ideology of a lot of those guys and um like being in a place where like so much really important like sex culture history has Mm -hmm. taken place um yeah so i think And I think that you can see those tensions and those contrasts between some of the characters in this book and definitely, like, with relationship to, like, class and, like, who gets to live in the fancy part of town and who has to squat in the ruins on the edge of town.
0: Yeah. 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 Whew. That's the real shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um so you worked with a different artist for most of the interiors yes. of this. Um so uh like yeah like and we're, so the the other earlier series had a range of different artists working on it and this is working with one person the whole way through. Um and so so tell me like how that impacted some of your choices as a writer and sort of how you worked out on the aesthetics for the book um with 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 with, your, with a new artist,
1: yeah, absolutely. So I cannot sing the praises of G. Romero Johnson enough. They are brilliant. They are a rising superstar. Uh, it was such a pleasure to work with somebody who is queer and like has made a lot of erotic, kinky art before and Mm. and so they just like didn't need to be told like what to do or how to do it which was like just so refreshing for me Mm. and they like made all kinds of little choices in the details of like What you see in the background or what the characters are wearing or um, uh, like all these little like sort of like cultural touchstones uh, that, you know, I just I like just didn't have to make them a little like not safe for work Dropbox reference folder uh they just like knew what they were talking about and that was like incredibly refreshing and um and they also really love we share a lot of taste in sci-fi and horror as well so um we we were able to have a shorthand about everything from body horror to fetish imagery which is like kind of this is like that's like what a safe sex artist needs to be able to do so i like couldn't be more thrilled about that and you know um like also working with i mean it's really honestly the same like with this whole team like a lot of like cultural competence going on which is like really refreshing for me
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think especially their work with, um, the, uh, the wet works and like some of the sort of physical humor with our wonderful sex bot, um, like uh, capturing the sort of combination of innocence, curiosity, also being a robot, also being sexy, like all of those. Th- I mean, it's, 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 it's all in there. It's really freaking cool.
1: Totally. Yeah. I think that like if, if G were only good at one of the things that they were good at, I would still want to work with them, you know. But they actually are also really good at the at the, the the thing that you just described. Um, uh, that is so important for a comic book artist and, and illustrator, which is um, like the sort of acting of all of the characters, mm-hmm. like like G was able to, like, capture the expressions and the emotions and sometimes that's almost like like manga levels of humor and then, you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, Mm -hmm. like, like expressions that, like, almost become, um, like, uh, like, like facial expressions that, that become, like, almost, like, surreal like they're not like, yeah. literal, do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, but then also these just like heartbreaking moments between some of the characters. Um, yeah, and they're like so inventive and, but also like technically proficient and like a really great collaborator and, I just, I'm, like, so thrilled to have been working with them on this book.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really cool, cool matchup to have, to be, you know, to handle all those dynamics in one place. How how do you guys decide, because there's a lot of violence in the book and Mm. a lot of sex in the book Mm -hmm. and some body humor. Like, how do you decide what you want to show, what do you want to imply, how much detail you want to have for different things, that kind of stuff?
1: Oh, I mean, I am definitely a, like... I, I I if I can get away with showing it, I want to show it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to both sex and violence, like, I mean, like that's 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 my taste, you know. Like I I want everything to be as explicit and extreme and adult as possible, and my nerves are flayed. Um, Mm -hmm. from you know a lifetime of exposing myself to all of that uh, spicy shit so um, that's like that's what I want too
0: but there's like moments where like there's the plot is being moved forward and somebody's hooking up and like you make a choice like are we gonna show them hooking up or are we gonna show them handling the plot or like how does that you know what i mean and you're like no because this ultimately is telling a story right yeah so like it's not like every single opportunity in which somebody could be having sex on a page you're visibly showing that because you would not get anywhere because there's so much sex happening. Um, there would there would be a lack of advancement of the plot, especially when, like, the the whole plot with folks who are at the Dirty Mind would be concerned. Um, so, True. you know, it's like like when um, a certain character who hadn't been able to have sex for some time is finally able to do so, and, like, he does get walked in on by someone who's like, I need you to go do this thing. No, this is not Casey who needs to water torture people. This is a different person. <laughs> Um, you know, you're sort of like you know, what? Like, I you know
1: think, what I think. Yeah. You sh- I think I think that I, I'm gonna push that spoiler just like a little bit further and say sure, sure, and say that there is. A, a, I'll be I'll be coy and say that there is a character. This is also like a little bit of a response to like a perceived critique. Um There is a character in this book who. uh like, has always been canonically bisexual. Actually, there's two characters in this book who were canonically bisexual in the first book, but like, you only really saw them in like a cishet pairing. Um, mm-hmm. who in this book get to, uh, have very gay sex. Um, and, uh, I guess maybe that is like all, all I'll say. But actually, like, it's so funny that you're, that you're bringing up. I know the scene that you're talking about, uh, where they like get walked in on. And like, I honestly think that the only reason that that scene is not more explicit is that the way that it sort of pans to the fireplace, if you will, was like an opportunity for a joke. And, so they're, they're, you know, they're sort of like, mm. what? Like, you know, she said it could wait. And, 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 and like, I think that if I, if there wasn't an opportunity, I guess like that's always the like choose your own adventure for me is like, either I'm going to have some like really explicit sex or some really disgusting, disturbing violence
0: or I'm going to make a joke. <laughs> or the third option that's true
1: like if it doesn't if it doesn't serve one of those things or i guess i'm gonna like have some sort of like really heartbreaking um like melodramatic moment um but you know if it doesn't serve one of those things then i'm a little bit like what's the point even
0: well yeah i mean you you're definitely using sex to tell a story as well and like it can be like, you know, heartbreaking in times as well, right? Um yeah. but you know, you have these expositions of a character, um, who's being told that like their partner to- just doesn't have the emotional energy to have sex with them that evening, and the person is sort of flashing back to great sex that they had before, a horrific experience that they had, yeah. and they're kind of feeling shut down and alone, all on the same panel. Yeah. And it's like you know, it's like it's a lot of it's a lot of different feelings in one space that you're you're trying to to put in one page.
1: Yeah, you know, that scene, okay, so like there's a a scene in the beginning which we've already talked about where Avery is masturbating but what you see is sort of Avery's inner life of like all of the different things that she is thinking about when she's masturbating. And then there's the scene that you were just talking about where a character um, has like a surprising emotional moment. And like in a flash, you kind of see all of the things that, that sort of like surprise, um, uh, moment is like bringing up for them, and yeah. then throughout the the book, you have all of these characters. So, so that also is just like a flash on 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 their inner life, right? And then throughout the book, you have all of these abstract experiences of characters in wet space in in this sort of like cyberspace, this like uh like representative space where it's like they're sitting in a bathtub that looks like the bathtub from the shining but it's like they're they're not mm-hmm. actually like like in the bathtub right it's like the it's in their it's something that their imagination is creating right so i think that like what i was trying to do was give some of the was give some of our characters moments where you get to sort of see an organic version of an inner life, which is then hopefully like contrasted with the synthetic inner life of the cyberspace, right? Like what, Mm. what, what does the imagination look like when it is facilitated by technology. And then what, you know, and by the way, I don't, this is not like a leading question. This is like a question that I'm like genuinely curious about because I don't think that like organic is good and synthetic is bad. I don't think like, um, I I don't think that uh, like, you know, all like digital communication is like alienating us and like cutting us off from what makes us truly human. I like really don't think that at all. Um, And so but I but I just kind of like for again, formally going all the way back to Swamp Thing and like the Alan Moore um tendency to break the form of comics and be like, well, instead of just like a bunch of boxes, like what if there's like a kaleidoscope of like different right. panels of like shapes that you weren't even expecting? And um I mean I think like Again, being a pomo homo, I I think I'm just like always interested in like what in like pushing the boundaries of reality. No, but like pushing the boundaries of like what is possible in whatever medium I'm working in.
0: Awesome. So we're clearly getting a part three. (laughs) It looks <laughs> um oh, actually, do you know what there
1: is one other thing that I want to say about the character who we were were just uh like alluding to no spoilers, but the character who uh like was canonically bisexual, but now like you actually like really like it's oh see them right confirmed yes. being bisexual um well and the, again there's two characters like that um but I, I really do want to say that like we were working on this book when the Loki show came out and I know that you had, you had a wonderful episode, um, about, uh, about the Disney plus Loki show. And by the way, I (laughs) love that show. It's definitely my favorite thing that the MCU has ever done because I, uh, you know, I like, um, magic and technology, uh, in my, in my comics, uh, media, but, uh, uh, and, like,
0: Julia Serrano, I was a little bit, like, starstruck. I oh,
1: was like, Julia I mean, Serrano's
0: I, on my podcast.
1: Dude, that that was that was a great episode. I, like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, Thank you. And, you know, when that, there was, like, that whole thing where they were, like, it's like such a big deal that Loki is bisexual in the MCU, and like at that moment we were like working on the like art for this sex scene where like this character like is like like blatantly, explicitly like having gay sex, and I was just yeah. Like, the MCU, the MCU could never.
0: <laughs> so that's 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 just, especially I- that.
1: I feel I just I just want to say like uh you know for all of your listeners who uh you know might be like interested in like bisexual representation uh like you know this is a very this is a very like actually I feel like we really are like breaking ground with like mm-hmm. bisexual representation of like characters that you like previously like like did not like you know you're like oh this character is like queer I guess and then it's like oh yes no they are
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and that there, you know, it's interesting because I feel like he in the original part of the story seems like he's sort of like adjacent to this queer kinky community, but that doesn't mean that he's not bisexual. Totally. Like I think that there's like, there could be like a gap between like people feeling like they're accepted, embraced, or like finding their way towards or feeling that they need to be a part of certain communities versus like them actually still having those identities. So it totally. sort of is like, it sort of feels like the main community here is like Avery's community and like, you know, he's he's the newbie, he's her boyfriend, he maybe is coming from a a different space, but that doesn't mean he's not bisexual. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Like the, so And yeah, we we, we don't ha- we don't have nearly enough um, you know, bisexual characters that or like them being bisexual is not the source of drama in some way, or right, uh, who are in you know relationships with somebody of a different gender from themselves and all that. I mean, I think it's really great. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that's yeah. sort of the tricky thing about being. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's an interesting thing to think about, like being a being somebody who like is coming to genre fiction writing from a lot of nonfiction writing about a, a lot of things, including queer identity and like sometimes like queer theory and sometimes like, mm-hmm. like the, like the, the, you know, identity politics and, uh and also just like a lived experience of being a bisexual person. And like, I, Th- there's a little bit of a mirroring of, like, my real-life experience of of being bisexual and the sort of just, like, you know, agonies and ecstasies thereof with, like, yeah. the agonies and ecstasies of a bisexual character because it's, like, if you really want to get the, like, full representation of, like, the full spectrum of the fluidity, I'm just gonna keep using buzzwords, um, <laughs> Of, like, what it means for a bisexual person to, like, I don't know, like, be fully realized, like, at, like as a person or as a character. It's, like, you kind of just, like, need more uh, time to, like, cover more territory. So, like, if you meet me and I'm, like, uh you know, I'm a queer cis woman and, like, if you meet me and I'm on a date with a man like, first of all, why are we meeting when I'm on a date? But anyway, um, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. If you were like, if you run into me, if you run into me and I'm on a date with a man, it's like in that moment, it's like, I'm, it's like, well, I'm not like being, I would say for myself, like, that's not like a straight moment for me. Right. But if like, if I'm like a minor character, in a story and the only time that i appear in this that story is when you uh run into me when when i'm on this date it's like you could be like well like you know tina's canonically bisexual but like in this moment i'm like only like having like a straight experience or like straight representation right and like that is kind of true for like a lot of the characters in this in this book but that's why
0: We just have to continue to make more. Can I just say there's been so much anti-bisexual shit coming from fellow queer people online the past several months. that It feels like somebody opened like a floodgate of resentment. Mm. And it's like, I get that there's some girl that you went to high school with who you find really... Sorry, not high school, college. Mm. I'm glad that there's some girl who you went to college with who you find really irritating I also find her really irritating, but, like, please do not let out your frustration at your, like, gay graduation, you know, (laughs) person that you dealt with on the rest of us because, like, you have no right to say that it's inappropriate or appropriation if I want to use a they-them pronoun or that, like... And, and, and I bring this up in the context of having a conversation around comic books, because I'm seeing these conversations happening in pop culture adjacent, especially in horror adjacent, and all that other stuff, like spaces that are like, this yeah. is happening. Like, this this sounds like Ilana's therapy time. I'm like, no, this is actually <laughs> shit that people are writing about on my feed, when I'm just trying to read about fucking comics, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, totally. And instead, the punchline is, like, bisexual women suck. It seems to be this, like... I, I hope you haven't seen all of this. I hope you've been able to manicure your feed this way. I mean, um, I mean, but it's been I, the, exhausting.
1: I mean, I like. I don't. Ugh. the The one thing that is like coming to mind that I saw that I definitely just had to like log off in a big way was like some somebody doing that thing where they just like say the same thing over and over again in as many characters as it takes in the tweet as if like saying it over and over again, like then just like makes it true. It's like the internet equivalent of like insisting. um, Mm. And somebody's like insisting that um, uh, bisexual people can't, I mean, they they called it the D slur and the F slur. I'm just going to go ahead and say here in yeah, the if show. Yeah, you should say that uh, that yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that they're talking about the words dyke and fag, and like the 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 idea that a bisexual person does not has not been oppressed with those words or can't. I like choose to identify with those words. Like I'm a dyke and like nobody, Uh nobody on the internet is going to like tell me that I can't use the word dyke. (laughs) Like, and anyway, I, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's annoying. It's, I mean, it's, it's annoying. And it's also, it's like, I guess we're all just like, trying to work it out i guess to like bring Hmm. it back to the topic at hand today i'm like hey guys why don't you try working these things out by like writing and producing your own like your creator owned comic book series because it's like done wonders for me um i figured everything out because of safe sex Terms of service available now wherever mm-hmm. fine books and comic books are sold or borrowed from your local library,
0: yeah, I mean you yes, to all of that to all of that um and like you don't have to be precious about your terms you can be precious about your relationships, yeah, but um, like right now like I'm we're dealing with our bodies being made illegal, like, there's they're trying to take trans kids who have parents, have given you know, them the actual care and support they need trying to take them away from their parents in Texas right now. I know. Like and you don't have like a freaking purity fight on the internet. Just stop. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being in profound solidarity and for writing art that, like, I mean, I'm telling you, this week is such an interesting thing to have that this week because, like like I said, I mean, it's just having big political existential crisis week and then thinking, like, I probably couldn't process this. But then actually, no, I, I can. And um, that was a complicated thing to be able to do.
1: I'm really – I'm so happy about that for so many reasons. And one of them is that, you know, sometimes I do – I made I made the book that I wanted to make and I do, like, sometimes have moments where I'm like, oh, are there going to be people who pick this up because they're excited that it is... that it's a queer story and then they're going to be like, oh my god, the ultraviolence, or are there going to be people who are like, ooh, cool, like, some, like, horror sci-fi, I'm going to check this out, and they're going to be like, oh my god, there's fisting. Uh And I, uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, I hope that people... The, the, the people who were, like, maybe only interested in it for one reason, like, come to love it for the other mm-hmm. reason, Um it, it, you know. but But ideally, what you just described is, like, what I want for people that they can read this book in all of its, like, disturbing darkness and celebrations of pleasure and just, like, find it cathartic in all of those ways because like that's why I made it that's I mean you know I made it very collaboratively but like that's what that's what the genesis of this project is for me because like both porn and horror and science fi- I said both but like all all of the genres of like porn and horror and science fiction and melodrama all like give me catharsis and make me feel uh-huh. like less alone in the world and make me feel like my struggles are like, like something shared and make me feel less isolated. And, um, you know, so knowing that it gave you that experience is like all
0: is like the most that I could ever hope for. Aw, thank you. Yeah. And I'm, I don't, I, I have a high threshold for all kinds of stuff, except for when I'm, like, really emotionally, like, done. <laughs> and this, like, I was very emotionally done, and I, I could do it. That's, like, amazing. So, so readers, go buy SFSX. Get it now from your local comic book store. Um Absolutely. Or if you must, you can also buy it from other things, but especially to... Do you ever get, do you get to sell this at any, like, at, like, Good Vibrations and other, like, totally. queer feminist sex stores and yes, stuff? Yes, yes. it, like, the as dream? A, as a
1: matter of fact, it it, it is literally available at uh, the legendary, uh, speaking of Bay Area, um, you know, sex-positive culture uh uh icons uh it is it is available at, at good vibrations and yeah there's there's a nice like crossover with the uh sort of more like sex positive world um with this book um so yeah
0: yeah i i i'm excited to hear that like bringing the comics to everybody and totally. um well uh folks can be following you and listening to your podcast at tina Horn's ass <laughs> very important yes and um and thank you for joining the show
1: thank you so much for having me it has been a pleasure to be back and i uh, i love the show I'm also a listener Aww.
0: and it's amazing when i have like comics writers and fellow podcasters who are also listeners it's like truly makes me feel vindic vindicated is not the right word <laughs> <laughs> appreciated valued yes. Yes, like it's a great are. compliment you, valued. And, you know yeah Cool. Well, thanks thanks for having me. Mhm. I will have you back I hope as well. So and uh, to Graphic Policy Radio listeners, yeah, there's more stuff coming. Keep listening and uh, keep it geeky.